The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's pray together. So, Father, would you come now? Would you come now, Father, through your word and by the power of the Spirit? Would you open our eyes to see the glory of Christ? Would you change us from one degree of glory to the next? So, Lord, come and work. Thank you for the privileges to gather with your people, sing together, to pray together, to open the word together. You're so generous to us in your gifts. Would we see the giver through the gifts in worship? Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I've been considering uh, these last few weeks, what I hope for us as a church here in Lakeville, I thought I'd let you know what it really boils down to. So here's what it really boils down to. If, if you just want to know what's on Dave's heart, what, what's he been thinking about the last couple of weeks, what does he want for us, here it is. I want us to be faithful to our calling. Here's what I mean. I want us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I want us to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. I want us to actually love our neighbors. That our neighbors would know that you love them. I want the world to know we are disciples of Jesus by our love for one another. For that's actually happened. I want the day-by-day faithfulness of God's people to shine day-by-day light into the darkness of these south neighborhoods and all the way to the nations. Your day-by-day faithfulness, your day-by-day light shining through kind words and meals brought to neighbors and caring for one another and then the opportunities to share the gospel. What I really want for all of us and all of that is for all of us to be eager to walk faithfully and repent quickly. Walk faithfully and repent quickly. Keep short accounts. I want the elders here at the South Campus to be faithful shepherds that seek to engage you with love and equip you for the work of ministry. Because 600 people can do way more than 10. I want to engage you with love and equip you to go and do the work of the ministry. I want the elders here to walk faithfully and repent quickly. That's it. That's what I really want for us. I don't want to be famous. I don't want our church to be famous. I don't want to be unique or cool or trendy or on the cutting edge at all. I just want us together to be faithful to our Savior, our friend, and our King whose name is Jesus. That's what I want for us. And so I've been thinking about The fuel of that faithfulness. In other words, what's been occupying my mind is that we've been going through this book of Acts. I've been reading some books recently, and I'm preparing to preach through Genesis with a group of people. I've just been going, what what fuels the faithfulness of the people of God throughout the Bible? 
Now you know I'm not talking about perfection, right? There's one perfect character in the Bible, and his name is Jesus. But, but what's under the faithful loving, faithful preaching, faithful praying, faithful caring, and faithful obedience in the people of God? Now I'm just going to give you a sentence, and I'll read it a couple times. Here, here's what I think it is as we look throughout the Bible. By the grace of God, they've seen the glory of God, and they live in light of that reality by the power of God. I think that's it. <laughs> I think faithfulness is fueled by people that see reality. Right? By the grace of God, they've seen the, the glory of God, and they live in light of that reality by the power of God. Right? That's what faithfulness is, just going, God's real. <laughs> Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is with us. And I'm going to live in light of that. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, We've seen the glory of God in the face of Christ, and as we gaze on that glory, we are changed from one degree of glory to the next to walk in freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just had to ask myself, when was the last time I, I gazed I just took a few hours. <laughs> who is this Jesus? <laughs> what has he done? Right? Who is this Jesus that left eternal glory and joy and perfection, a relationship without any bumps or hiccups, just perfect joy, delighting in the perfection of his Father? Who, who is this Jesus who left that to come to save me? Who is this God that sent his Son to the earth to live the perfect life I could never live? died the death on my behalf in my place, rose again in power to conquer death, ascended on high right now is over this church, rejoicing over this church, praying for this church, is going to come again at the sound of a trumpet, riding on a white horse and bring us all home. When was the last time you gazed on that God? When you gazed on that Christ? Just rested there. And there's a day coming when He brings us home where we will gather around the throne forever to declare what? That He's worthy. (laughs) That's what this life is about. We We see Him and we live in light of Him. That has to be why we exist. Otherwise, we should close the doors. Turn off the live stream. (laughs) That's not why we exist. Underneath, here's what I mean, underneath every sin confessed in a small group or a worship service, underneath every meal made by our machine of a meal train, right? Underneath every diaper changed at home in the middle of the night, underneath every child prayed with in our nursery, underneath every counseling session, underneath every delicious family meal made by Kim Schiller, underneath every sermon preached and every act of love towards our neighbors and every, every table quietly set up by Steve Rindy for our events here, every Bible study that happens, every worship service, every small group meeting must be this. God, you're real. Jesus, you're king. Spirit, you're with us. Just do it. Do it through us. John last week reminded us that God dwells in us 
and is with us to show us what is true and real and important and beautiful and to turn us from what is false, pretend, less important and ugly. And he does this because of the blood of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And that reality must be what we're about here. It has to be what we're about here. Otherwise, we're just a club. We're just managing a club with lots of cool activities for your kids, because there are, right? Lots of cool things to learn, and there, there are. Lots of meetings to be had, lots of things to come to. But if any of that is divorced from this, it's just a game, and I don't want to play games. There's no time for games, is there? If we've learned anything in the last two or three weeks, there's no time for games. So that's what's underneath, I think, faithfulness to God. And that's what I'm praying God would do among us. And that's what we see in our text today. So let's dive in here to Acts chapter 18. Point number one, faithful suffering in our faithful God. So last week, John uh, showed us how Paul went on proclaiming the gospel because he was living in light of the reality that God was with him. We saw that he was there a year and a half and many in the city were coming to know Jesus. Right? No one will attack you, Jesus said to Paul. Well, in verses 12 to 17, we see the Jews make a united attack on Paul and bring him before the ruler of the city, Gallio. And I want to say Galileo so bad, so I'm going to try all morning not to. They say that Paul is persuading people to worship God contrary to their law. And here's why they say that, just to let you in the, the minds of these Jews. They say this because they know two things. Number one, they know the Romans hate uprises. They hate chaos. They like order. And they say this because they know that Judaism was already given a pass. It was an accepted religion in the Roman idea. So what they have to do is prove that this is causing issues and it's not Judaism. And if they can do that, maybe they can get rid of them, get them kicked out of Corinth completely. So Paul uh, gets ready to defend himself. I'm sure it would have been eloquent. But before he can say anything, he's cut off. Gallio is having none of it at all. He simply says, Listen, guys, if there was a crime or there was violence, I'd hear you, but you're just arguing amongst yourselves. And I'm not going to listen to any of that. I don't have time for that. I have more important things to do. And not only does he dismiss them, but he, he drives them away. He says, I'm not listening and you need to leave. Now this shows the sovereignty of God. How many times in the book of Acts have we seen this Roman colony or empire that wants to please the Jews, and so they've partnered with the Jews in going after Christians. Well, here, surprising the stories, this Roman ruler quickly dismisses them, which just shows us God can use whoever he wants to advance his purposes. Here, the ruler of the city actually gives Christianity an open license to keep operating. And I'll just tell you, it's not because Gallio is some nice, open-hearted dude. 
Right? Because in a few verses we see a man get beat up and it says Gallio's just like, whatever, don't care. This is God, His providence and His power working through a guy who's cold-hearted to make a door for the Gospel. Well, in verse 17, it says they all see Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him. So I want to talk about who this guy Sosthenes is for a second. Some people say that the Jews beat the synagogue ruler because he wasn't able to get enough done to convince Gallio. Some say this is just kind of a, a mob who's, who's grabbing the synagogue ruler and beating him, just a mob mentality. However, I want to tell you my favorite two views of who this Sosthenes is, and then I'm going to tell you the one I prefer and hope that you'll like it with me. So here's what we know about him for sure. He is ruler of the synagogue. Back in verse 8, it says that Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue, and he was saved with his whole household. And what we know is Paul was there at least 18 months, so perhaps the authority of the synagogue changed after Crispus became a believer. Maybe they didn't want a believer in there, and Crispus is out, Sosthenes is in, and he's getting beat up for some reason. We also see Sosthenes and Crispus again in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 1. So in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says he's writing his letter with Sosthenes. He's like a co-author to them. And then later in the chapter, he mentions that he baptized Crispus. So in light of the Jews' propensity to beat people they don't like, and in light of the New Testament and everything else we see in Acts, let me give you the two options I think that make the most sense here. Option number one is that these are two different men, but both became believers in Jesus contrary to their Jewish faith, and therefore Sosthenes was beaten by the Jews as an act of angry mob violence against a prominent member that was standing for the name of Jesus. I think that's possible, right? This is how God works sometimes, right? Crispus is in, gets saved, his whole household. They're like, we don't want you. You believe in Jesus. Sosthenes is in, and God just does it again through Paul. Number two, Crispus, and this is my, this is my favorite, can't prove it, but it's my favorite. Crispus and Sosthenes are the same person, just with a different name. Now, why do I think this is most likely? Well, number one, we already know this was common in the ancient world. We've actually seen it like three times already in Acts, people that go by different names in different situations. And there's only one other place in the whole New Testament where a title is repeated and attached to two different names. I'm sure you remember it's Acts 13. Acts 13, in verses 6 to 8, is the story of Bar-Jesus, who is also called Elymas, who is called a a magician. And we're meant to see there that Bar-Jesus was the same guy named Elymas by the repetition of his title as magician. And there's one thing repeated in this story, which is the title, ruler of the synagogue. I think that's the case here as well. Therefore, this option would say this Crispus who had been saved and baptized and was leading many others to Jesus was also the Sosthenes, which actually means saving strength, that the Jews hated and beat up here. Either way, either of those options, what is happening here is that this is a brother in Christ that's been saved from darkness, brought into the light of Christ, and suffers faithfully for it suffers faithfully for it. This is a person 
that went from a prominent leader with lots of power, lots of prestige, to someone being beaten by the very ones he used to lead. Why not take it back? Right? Why not in this moment just go, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, I'm with you guys, right? Don't beat me. I've seen what you guys do to synagogue rulers, right? You remember our last text in chapter 17? Why not take it back? Why not turn away from Jesus and avoid this? And the only answer I can come up with throughout the whole book of Acts for all these people is that they had seen the reality of Jesus and were living in light of it by the power of God. I don't think that they planned this. I don't think you get yourself ready to get beaten. I think that Jesus is real, and in the moment, he comes by his power and he sustains you. He comes by his power and helps you endure. Kids, this is a hard lesson to learn when you're little, but some people, even people that used to really like you, that used to play with at the playground, may not like you as much if you trust in Jesus. I think that's going to be more and more true for you than when, I, than when I grew up. I think that's just going to happen more and more. And I hope, even as a kid, what you're seeing in the book of Acts is that Jesus is worth it. He's worth it. And not only is he worth it, but he's with you. He'll sustain you in that moment. Sosthenes has seen the reality of Jesus, and it has fueled his faithfulness by the power of God. Point number two, faithful planting in our faithful God. So in verses 18 to 23, we see that it says, Paul stays many days longer, which most people think added up to almost two full years here in Corinth. And what is Paul doing? The Acts never leaves us kind of wondering what his main mission is. In this passage, we see that he's occupied with the Word, continuing to speak, and teaching the Word of God among them. So Paul is just faithfully showing them Jesus day by day by day as he teaches and preaches and devotes himself to the Word. Paul is planting a church in Corinth by planting the seed of the gospel into hearts of the people. The many in the city that God had already planned to save from our text last week. God said, I have many in the city. Keep on speaking. I am with you. And Paul goes, I will keep speaking. And a church is planted. Eventually, Paul leaves with his new friends Priscilla and Aquila, and they go to Ephesus. And Ephesus will show up again in Acts. But when he gets there, it says his hair is shaved for a vow. He's looking the part of a Jew at this point. And he leaves his friends behind who are Gentiles, and he goes again and reasons with the Jews in the synagogue. So again, here Paul is just faithfully planting the seed of the gospel in another city. This is just what he's always doing. They ask him to stay longer, right? That, that's interesting. You're saying stuff we haven't heard before. We want to hear more, right? That's when you stay, right? You pull up the chair, you get the cough, you go, let's talk. Well, Paul says, I'm going to head on. Now, we don't know why he does that. Perhaps the Holy Spirit told him to move on. Remember earlier in Acts, the Holy Spirit prevented him from preaching the gospel in a certain place. And he simply says, I'll come back if God wants me to. I'll return if God wills. And we could wonder, what is, what's going on? What is God doing? But this is what faithful gospel planting looks like. We submit ourselves to God, 
and we faithfully speak of the reality of Christ wherever we find ourselves. When he tells us to stay, we stay and we speak. And when he tells us to go, we go and we speak. We just go where he tells us to go and stay when he tells us to stay. And what we see Paul do from there is he finishes his second missionary journey. He leaves Ephesus and he goes to Caesarea, likely to visit the church in Jerusalem, and finally goes back to his home base in Antioch, where he spends some time with them, probably telling them of all that God has been doing. Then it says he goes back to Galatia and Phrygia, doing what he often did, strengthening all the disciples. This is significant for us. I just want us to keep seeing what the author wants us to keep seeing. That God has you live where you live, or go to school where you go to school, or work where you work, to honor Him by loving other people, telling them about Jesus, and encouraging other Christians to love Him more. Right? Do we know that? That wherever we are, we are there to faithfully know Jesus and make Him known through word and deed by the power of God. That is always your primary identity and always your primary purpose. This is not mainly for apostles or mainly for preachers or mainly for pastors. This is for the saints. This is the work of the ministry. Wherever you are, you're there to know Him and make Him known. You are where you are for a reason. And sometimes someone will come as a pastor and say, just the gospel, it's not in my neighborhood, it's not in my workplace. I say, yes, it is. You're there. Right? You're in your neighborhood. You're in your workplace, which means the gospel is there, I hope. And God's put you there for the sake of his name, determining the boundaries and the dwelling places that people might feel their way towards God. So Paul faithfully plants by the power of his faithful God. He goes when God tells him to go. He stays when God tells him to stay. And all the while he speaks the name of Jesus. Point number three, faithful watering in our faithful God. So Paul leaves the scene for a bit and we're left wondering what's going to happen in Ephesus. They just heard the word and they wanted more and Paul said, no. (laughs) No more gospel for you. So what's going to happen? Well, let me read you uh, the place I got my sermon title from. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 7. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So as Paul leaves, Apollos comes on the scene. And the verses I just read are what we see happen in this little section. And it just shows another component of what faithfulness looks like. Faithfulness looks like realizing it's not about us. Right? One preacher down, another preacher up. Right? God's not confused. God's not stopped. It's about God. We're all just servants planting and watering and pleading that God would give growth wherever we are. So a Jew named Apollos comes on the scene in Ephesus after Paul leaves and he's preaching powerfully, it says. Later, Apollos will head to Corinth as well. 
So in both of these places, Paul planted, Apollos is going to water. My son is named Apollos after this guy. So why would we name our son after this guy? Let's look at him. Here's what it says about him. It says he was an eloquent man, competent in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew of the baptism of John. So why name my boy after him? Because this guy, primarily, he knew Jesus. More than anything, that's what I want for my son, is for him to know Jesus. This guy knew the Scriptures. I want my son to know the Scriptures. He was, he was passionate in the power of the Holy Spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. I want all of that for my boy, whether or not he's a preacher. Oh, that God would save our children and help them love the Bible and love their Savior and speak accurately to others in the passion of the Holy Spirit. That's faithful living. But notice, this isn't the only thing I like, but I don't just love his gifting and his competency. He doesn't know everything yet. Right? He's speaking boldly in the synagogue, and Priscilla and Aquila are hearing him and going, man, this guy is really gifted, but... He doesn't quite know everything, <laughs> right? Some of you are gentle with me this way. Man, we like what he's saying. I'm going to help him a little bit. And they take him aside, and they explain to him the way of God more accurately. What a gift. What a gift to have someone say, we want you to know God better. We want you to proclaim him better want other people to hear more truth from you. Would we receive that as a gift? When someone comes and says, man, really appreciate you, but, right, what do you do in your heart when you hear the but? Ah! Make an appointment. (laughs) Got to get myself prepared for this. Now it could be, Apollos didn't yet know of the gift of the Holy Spirit that came with Jesus, even though he was already speaking in the power of the Spirit, right? This is, would just be like God. He works in our weaknesses and uses us in powerful ways that we don't yet even understand. God is the one who gives the growth. So you should look at Apollos, and if you're like, well, I don't know everything. I don't know how to answer. I don't know what I'd say. I don't have everything all put together. Just go speak what you know. Speak what you know of Jesus and let God Give the growth. But here's what we see. We see this as a beautiful, two-sided Christian interaction. Right? We see an amazingly gifted man graciously receive correction and help and become more useful for the kingdom of God. This is great. <laughs> and we see two believers graciously give correction and help equip someone to become more useful for the kingdom of God. This is what we want. I was sitting with a, a very wise woman on Wednesday morning. She said, what I really want for the elders is just that they would show they're teachable. This is one of my Priscilla's. <laughs> As I read this story this week, her words were just ringing in my mind. 
We want to be teachable. Right? We want to be more useful for God. Would you pray for us? I really mean it. Like, if you think the church or the elders are going to make it, it's on your prayers. Right? We need you to pray for us. Would you pray that we would live and lead faithfully in light of the glory of Christ, and that we'd be willing to be teachable so that we could be more useful for Christ and equip you more for the glory of Christ? And this isn't just for elders, though. I want this for all of us. I just found myself thinking of the last year, year and a half or so, and just wondering, like, how, how often do we have these kinds of interactions? How often have you had interactions like this? There's some. I've had some, praise God. But sometimes you can look around and go, like, does this exist anymore? Does this even exist anymore? Sometimes it can just feel like there's no teachability left anymore, only talking at each other. Sometimes it can feel like everyone is vying for their own special interest group or opinion and and not really the interests of Christ. So I've been praying that God would shape us by the self-giving love of Christ and make us faithful to graciously encourage and exhort one another and to graciously receive those encouragements and exhortations that we might be more useful for the kingdom of God. Isn't that what you want? How does that happen? Or maybe, why doesn't it happen? Right? Why, when someone says that, that but word to me, why do I want them to make an appointment? What's, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in your heart when you feel the threat of correction or the threat of someone speaking in? What's going on that makes us not teachable? Well, aren't we just self-protecting? Aren't we just defensive? Doesn't it just reveal that something else is beating in our hearts more than the glory of God? The only way this happens is if by grace... We live in light of the reality of the glory of God and know, just beyond a shadow of a doubt, our identity is secure in Jesus and by the power of God, we want to honor Him more than anything else. Right? So if I need correction, correct me for the glory of God. If you need correction, receive correction for the glory of God. We want to be useful for the glory of God. Let's stop the, the self-protection and the, the game-playing and the, the ego-padding and the, the false social media facades. Right? Let's just stop all that and let's just be real for the glory of God. Give and receive correction with humility by the grace of God. I mean, Apollos has massive gifts, massive competence, passionate in the Spirit, powerful in the pulpit, right? When people compare him to Paul, they're like, man, Apollos is eloquent, and Paul, you're weak and weird, so simple. And yet here he is, willing to humbly listen and learn and be helped. Why? For the cause of Christ. And what's the result? The result, just a few verses later, is that he learns the way of God more accurately, gets sent over to Corinth with a letter of recommendation from Ephesus, and greatly helps the believers there by powerfully refuting the Jews in public 
to show that Jesus is the Messiah from the Scriptures. Direct fruit from this humble interaction. Let me put this whole picture together for you then. Now, so Paul plants the seed of the gospel in Corinth for two years. Gallio and Sosthenes in his suffering preserved the freedom to proclaim the gospel in Corinth. Apollos was helped by Priscilla and Aquila to see the way of Christ more clearly. And then on the heels of all that providential help and planting and suffering, he goes and builds the church of Christ. Do you see that in all the faithful suffering and planting and helping and watering, how they all work together and that underneath all of it is a God who orchestrates it all to give the growth? That's what we're counting on. That's what we're counting on in you and in me. Faithful watering and and planting and suffering, all orchestrated by God in ways we could never imagine that He gives the growth for the glory of His name. And this isn't just apostles. This is us. This is the church. Oh, that my son and all of us would be granted grace from God to play our small part in using our gifts boldly, and passionately while always being teachable, humble, and open to listening and learning so that we can be more useful for the cause of Christ. Self-church, in our faithful planting and suffering and watering and caring and teaching and loving and listening and learning, would we be a people that by the grace of God see the glory of God and live in light of the reality by the power of God. Would he do that? Would he do that in you and in me and in us and in the elders and in the people and in these south neighborhoods and all the way to the nations? If you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what ministry to do, just like live tomorrow faithfully pursuing Christ. What does that mean? I mean, just like get up and read your Bible. And don't leave it until you see the glory of Christ. You see what, who He is and what He's done. Remember who you are in Him. And then just say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Show me what you have. Show me what coworker to talk to. Help me be patient with my child. It's driving me crazy. Help me be patient with my spouse. It's driving me crazy. Help me be patient with my elder. That's driving me crazy. I mean, really, just live faithfully for Christ. Look out your window and see your neighbors and go, they look like they need help with something. Maybe you want me to go help. Someone that was reading over this said, faithfulness in some ways is so simple and we make it so hard. So here's what I want to do. I think I'm going to do this more often. Um, so far I've spared you the group prayer thing that all of you love so much. It might be coming back. I'm just warning you. I decided I'd give a warning for those of you that, you know, might want to skip church. Um, but what I want to do right now is just end and probably do this more often. I just want to lead us through some questions and have you talk to God. So I'm going to have you bow your heads. I just want you to talk to God about some things rather than me try to find the perfect application for all of you. So let me ask some questions right from this moment we've had together in the Word. What, ask yourself right now and talk to God about it. What is fueling your life 
What is fueling your faithfulness? Are you living in light of the reality of the glory of God by the power of God? Talk to God about that for a minute or two. Next question is, what, what suffering is the Lord asking you to walk through right now? Would, would you bring that suffering to the foot of the cross, even in this moment, and ask Him to help you endure in this moment, and ask Him to give you glimpses of what He's doing in it? Third question, where is God asking you to faithfully stay or faithfully move on from right now? And what are, what's one step you could take this week to invite others to hear of him, to speak his name wherever you are? Last set of questions here. Where is God asking you to be teachable? Where is God asking for repentance from you? What's the sin that has been clinging so closely that it's time to lay down at the foot of the cross? Where have you been kicking against His refining of you? 
Man, one other important question to ask yourself in this time is this. Are there people in your life that will faithfully point out where you have room for growth? And if not, I want you to make a plan right now to find some. So, Lord, you are always faithful. And we're asking you in this moment, individually and as a church, to work faithfulness in your people. Lord, would you help us see where we've been fueled by other things, other than living in light of the glory of God by the power of God? Would you help us see what other things make us do what we do, motivate us to live how we live, to say what we say, to listen to what we listen to, to speak what we speak, to interact how we interact, to spend our time and money how we spend our time and money. And would you reorient us on the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ? Lord, would you in our suffering now meet us by the power of your Spirit and help us to endure sharing with Christ in his sufferings pressing on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that by any means possible we may attain the resurrection from the dead Lord would you show us in our lives right now where we need to move forward and where we need to stay and would you show us ways to speak the name of Jesus to show the love of Jesus wherever we are and God would you make us teachable and humble, willing to correct humbly, graciously, willing to receive correction humbly, graciously, because we all want the same thing. We all want the greatness of your name to be known in our homes, in our church, in our neighborhoods, and to the nation. So make us teachable and humble and quick repenters eager to lean into your refining work, eager to hear and weigh correction that we might be more useful for your purposes. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't yet know Jesus, doesn't yet know that he's died for their sins and rose again, has been looking for joy and life and peace in all the wrong places, Lord, I pray today that they would see Jesus and find the joy and life and peace and forgiveness of sins that they've been looking for even now. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
5415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.